0: love to gaze on your beauty, your eyes of fire, your hair that's white like wool, (laughs) your feet that are like burnished bronze, you hold in your hand seven stars, and in the other hand the keys of hell and death. It's a picture of victory, that's for sure. (laughs) It's a picture of power. It's a picture of glory and honor. You are the preeminent one. We just worship you tonight. We just remind ourselves of what is true, that we are one with you, that we live and move and have our being inside of you, that we live in heaven, that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, and we are forever free. we just acknowledge all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus tonight thank you for making us whole and perfect and complete our life is hidden in you and we thank you that this reality (laughs) is real regardless of how we feel regardless of Whether we are aware of it or not, but we just turn our attention to it tonight because we want to experience it. We don't want it to just be a theory, Jesus. We want this to be the place where we live from, we abide in the vine, we are connected to you. Spirit to spirit, intertwined, join into one spirit. It's impossible to tell where you begin and where we end, and where we begin and where you end. The new creation is worth celebrating tonight, Jesus. (laughs) It's worth celebrating, it's worth remembering, and it's worth celebrating. Thank you that it's finished. <laughs> thank you that the only thing left is for us to believe it <laughs> and us to experience it. Ah, we just thank you that tonight is a night for supernatural mind renewal. Tonight is a night, Father, where you are going to speak specifically to every single person. I thank you that you are the source for everything we need. Thank you that you provide everything we need to experience the fullness of who you are and the fullness of who you've created us to be. And so we just, I don't know, we lean into that experience tonight. We lean into you as our source and we take big gulps of your freedom and of your goodness and of your peace and of your healing and of your provision and whatever else we might need. Encouragement direction <laughs> wisdom you name it you got it thank you that we're not we lack nothing except the awareness of what already belongs to us so just enlighten our eyes tonight grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you wake us up Wake us up. By the power of your spirit. So that we can experience more of what's real. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, I just want to take a minute just to greet all of those that are listening to the podcast I'm always amazed at who's listening out there. I uh, get it, honestly, I get messages on Facebook and other places just that I, you know, from people all over the world, honestly, that are listening. And so I just want to take a moment to pray for you specifically. And I want to, you know, it's funny how God supernaturally connects people. Um, Tonight we have just a couple of folks that just, you know, came one a couple weeks ago, one tonight that you know, just kind of showed up. I'd never met him before. But I I really believe that, that God is doing something supernaturally through his connections and that however you're connected tonight to this podcast or today or whenever you're listening, that it's the right connection and that you are here for a specific reason. And so I just release that in Jesus' name. I come in agreement with God's purposes and plans, whatever his agenda is. You know, Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing. But whatever I I see the Father doing, in another place, he said, in the voice translation, I don't have my own agenda. And so, Lord, I thank you that we can just set down our agendas. That we can just look, we can just get on your agenda and be led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we don't have to be smart. We don't have to know much. We just have to have, I don't know, activated spiritual senses. And I'm thankful that I happen to have some. So Lord, I just release, uh, what you're doing tonight. And I come in agreement with every single thing you're doing in every person's life. God, you're doing some spectacular, unimaginable, too glorious to actually describe in human language things in people's lives. Right this, right in this hour, you're upgrading hearts and minds and, and healing bodies and, minds and doing I don't know what all you're doing it's again it's too too marvelous to describe I just feel like you'd almost have to pray in tongues to to describe it but God I thank you that I can just come in agreement with it and I can say yes and I can say amen to it and I can say so be it and um, I thank you that you are divinely ordering people's steps you know not only to be like with us tonight or listen to this podcast father but you're doing you're 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 divinely ordering people's steps into a place of promise, into a place that you have ordained for them to dwell in a sphere of influence, in a, in a calling, in a, in, in just a life that is, is by design, God. And I, I just thank you that, uh, there's really nothing that we can do to mess it up. I just release that. I, I just release that it's it's like we're just going to stumble into it if necessary. Because, God, your grace is sufficient. You know, your grace, it says that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So last time I checked, I mean, grace, we're outnumbered by grace. And so, Lord, I just release that over our lives tonight. And I thank you that um, you already see it finished. You already see it done. And... um I just call us into that place of promise in Jesus' name, whatever that place of promise looks like for everybody that's listening tonight. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. A couple things on my heart. Um, Just as I was praying, God always reminds me about this randomly. I don't know why he does it randomly, but that's just the way he does it. But he reminded me about... Um, it is about coming into agreement with what he's doing in our lives, right? I mean, and he reminded me that, you know, every year I do this little exercise with people that are in my school and people that are connected to me and through, you know, coaching or whatever that I'm doing. And it's basically to have the Lord give you a word for the year. And it's just one word. It's just one word. It, It can change every single year. Uh, for example, my la- my word last year for 2017 personal my personal word was focus, and I will tell you it, that that's been a lifetime of God working that out. <laughs> but you know it was just a re- a real powerful year of that honestly. And um, you know coming into this year, um, the word is manifestation that He gave me personally this year. Corporately, He gave me the word breakout. Um, for 2018, but I just felt that I was supposed to have you connect with that tonight and just hear a word that describes the agenda of the father in your life that you are in the midst of right now. And, uh, you know, it's just the grace of God for him to tell us what he's doing, I think, um, because it is his work to do. You know, there's a wonderful scripture that says, faithful is he that calls you, he will also do it. And so, um, it's really just a matter of knowing the very next instruction. You know, a lot of times we get so caught up in the complexities and in the, you know, overwhelm of a vision or the overwhelm of what's going on in our lives or the circumstances or the storms that we're in the midst of, but... Really, it's a very, you know, it's supposed to be the kingdom life is so simple that children can do it. As a matter of fact, we're encouraged to become like little children to actually experience it. You know, and I happen to have an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old, and, you know, I feel like I have to tell them to brush their teeth like 10 times every day. Like, and if I don't tell them to do it, let's be clear, they're not doing it. Now, either that means that, I don't know, like, we need to put some other i mean we've tried we've tried lists i mean let me let me tell you we've tried a bunch of stuff but the point is they're kids and they need instructions and they need follow up and they need reminders and they need another reminder right and it means that they're not super responsible you know responsibility in the kingdom is not a kingdom thing <laughs> In the kingdom, responsibility looks like dependency. Responsibility looks like rolling your your cares over onto the Lord. It looks like him being the source and you being a conduit. It looks like the father in you doing the work, the father in you being the responsible one. And the reason for that is that we're called to do things that you can't do in human strength. We're called to live miraculously. We're called to to do things that don't glorify our ability, but that glorify his ability. I mean, God has these incredible plans for every single person in here that are bigger than you. They're bigger than your ability to accomplish. And I always say that it's something that you're called to do with the Father. You're called to do it, honestly, as the Father— Meaning that that's, you know, you're the father in a, in a Chris suit or an Amy suit. Meaning he's, he, you're, he's wearing your skin. And he's gonna do the work through you. So many of you know, um, that I am in the process of wrapping up my first book. Um, and it's, sh- it's scheduled to be released April 10th in, uh, electronic form. The, the paperback will be out this fall. But it's called The Path. And it's, it's a book about getting on this path with the Lord, which basically leads you into the place of promise for your life and in the front of the book, I have this scripture, and I'm just going to read this scripture because it really is one of my favorite scriptures. It's in the message translation, and I just love the way it's paraphrased. It says this in Matthew 11:27. It says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. I'll keep reading. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I love this scripture. It's the foundation of my book about the path, because the path is kind of a it's kind of a secret name for Jesus. You know, Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And the path is this, this way. <laughs> of living and the way of living that you and I have been called to enjoy that we get the privilege of enjoying is described here in a Matthew eleven twenty seven, and every single person has a life that is designed to be a unique father son operation meaning that you and the father are teamed up to do something that is unique to you and the Father. It is a very unique relationship. And and, and just the way no one knows the Father, the way Jesus knew the Father, no one knows Jesus the way, I mean the Father, the way Jesus knew the Father. I love that line that Jesus says, I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm willing to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. So what this says to me is that when we read the Gospels, there's so many things you can... I mean, you can read the Gospels from so many different perspectives. I mean, if you just want to get a revelation of the kingdom, I mean, you can just go through Matthew, and you can just read all of this wonderful, uh, just kingdom parables and, and just stories and comparisons. The kingdom of God is like. I mean, you can get a massive revelation of the kingdom in the Gospels. And you can get... Um, All kinds of training for the supernatural when you read the Gospels. You can just see that that the supernatural is, is teachable. Basically, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to do the same works as he's doing. And he's just speaking to sickness and talking to trees and, you know, getting money out of a fish's mouth. I mean, he's just totally breaking through the the limitations of the seen realm and training his disciples how to do the same. You know, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. He's teaching them to, to live a life that is full of signs and wonders. I mean, so if you want to read the Gospels with a lens about signs and wonders and a lens about live, you know, operating in the supernatural and working miracles and what it means to live by faith, you can totally do that. Or you can also read the lens through, I mean, read the Gospel through the lens of what it means to be a son, what it means to be a son of God. And when I say a son of God, I'm not talking about male or female. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, nor Jew, nor Greek. So I'm not talking about gender here. I'm just talking about uh, the term son because we live in the son. We are in Christ. And so through our union with Christ, all of us have become a son. And so you can look at that. What does a son look like? I mean, in Romans 8, it says all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, right? Here, Jesus is talking about this unique father-son operation. So sons work with the father. Sons are in a The family business, the kingdom business with the Father. But there's also a specific way that sons live with the Father that sometimes is overlooked. And you can look through the Gospels and see a beautiful picture of what it means to be one with the Father. Because Jesus did not operate independent of the Father because he was just so submitted and dependent on the Father there was a specific way that he walked out the father-son operation. And he describes it in John uh, chapter um, 10. And he says this in verse 30. He says, The father and I are one. The father and I are one. So this... Unique father-son operation is actually a oneness operation. And what makes it unique is the fact that Jesus and the father are what form the union. And what makes it unique for you is that you and the father through Jesus are in union. And guess what? There's only one of you. There's only one of you. So that the unique operation that God's gonna do through you, the reason why he won't put anything ill fitting on you is because there's only one of you. And there's there's an operation that fits you like a glove. It's like breathing. It's like breathing. There are gifts, there are there are talents that you have, anointings that you have. There are things that you do that are supernaturally excellent. Maybe you haven't discovered what that. Supernatural, excellent thing is that you do that's like breathing for you. But just if you haven't discovered it yet, don't, don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means that you've yet to discover it. And I can guarantee you that there is something, there is a zone of genius inside of you that the father and you together express that has the potential to make a difference on the planet, has, a, has, a, has the potential to, to reveal the father in a way that unless you do it, it won't be revealed. You, you are a carrier of God's glory. You are a, you're like a flavor. You know, you're like, it says, taste and see that God is good. And the glory of God is the goodness of God. And so you're like a unique, yummy flavor of God's goodness. And if you don't manifest your unique father-son operation, then someone's someone's going to miss out on something spectacular. And so I just want you, I feel like what the Lord is saying, let me just say this really quickly. Whatever the Lord is speaking, whatever word he's speaking to you about this year, let me tell you why he's speaking that word to you. Because you need to own your flavor. You need to own the glory that you carry. You need to own the uniqueness. You need to own the unique father-son operation that God cannot do without you because you're the flavor. You're the flavor. You're the flavor that is the flavor of the hour. That's what you are. You know, it's like, you know, they got the flavor of the day if you go into like Brahms 31 flavors or whatever. You know, but you're the flavor of the hour. You're the flavor of this generation. You're the flavor that people are, are, are thirsting and hungering for. And there are people that will be impacted by your life that maybe you're the only one that ever, ever is going to be able to reveal what they need to, to see and what they need to taste to know that God is good. Your life is a, is, is a, is a testimony. It's a, an epistle. It's not just a test. That's such a, just a little word. It's, it's much bigger than a, than a testimony. It's, it's a manifestation. It's a manifestation of the goodness of God. You are designed to be a manifestation of the goodness of God. And so it is it is you got to own it. You got to own it. You got to stop this back and forth forgetting and 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 of who you really are from God, as as you were created by God to be. Maybe you've never discovered it yet. Maybe you've never encountered it yet. You know, that's one of the reasons why I created the school. I created the programs that I do is because they're all encounter focused and you need to see you. You need to yes, you need to encounter the living God, but you need to encounter you because you are his masterpiece. You are a work of art and he lives inside of you. So if he's gonna reveal himself, you're gonna have to own you because you are a revelation of God. You are a revelation of his magnificence and his goodness and his grace and all of the wonderful things that he has placed inside of you. And it's time to own it. And so whatever that word is, whatever that word that he's giving you, it's about you, it's going to help you own it. It's going to help you embrace it. You know, I was reading this the other day, and <clears throat> I, I don't even know who wrote it. I mean, I know who wrote it, but I don't know the person personally who wrote it. Um, and it's not its not necessarily a Christian thing. Like, that matters. Um, it matters to some people, but it doesn't matter to me. Um, and the reason is, is that I can just feel, you know, truth is truth wherever you find it. It's kind of like I tell people, You know, this us and them thing was destroyed on the cross, in case you didn't get the message. Um, There is no secular, there is no sacred, there is no unclean. You know, when Peter had his visions on the roof and All these animals were coming down, and he's just like, you know, Jesus is like, rise up and eat, rise up and eat. And Peter's like, I've never had anything unclean touch my lips. And he said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. Now, he was talking specifically about Gentiles, which in that day were the people that had never met God, never been in the temple, were untouchable, they couldn't fellowship with them. I mean, these were were rejects, man, right? I mean, I don't know how to even compare that to something in our day, just because... We just don't have, I mean, we we don't have that class of people. We don't have that class of people. But the point is, is that when I say truth is truth wherever you find it, what I mean is, you know, how many of you know gravity is true whether you know that God created it or not? The fa- it's going to work <laughs> the same way regardless If you if you give glory to God for gravity or if you just, whatever, just don't, have never met God. And so the reason I say that is because sometimes we, we 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 aren't open. We don't humble ourselves to recognize the glory, even in people that have yet to fully meet and experience the goodness of God for themselves. And I'll tell you, Jesus came as a servant, and He came to people that were not born again. He came to people, and He came to, He came to serve. He said, "I didn't come to serve. I didn't. He didn't come to judge. He came to serve. He humbled Himself." And so I'm sharing, that's a side note, but I want to share this because I really, when I read it, I've got to find it here. It's in my online journal, so bear with me for a minute. Okay, here's what it said. I just want you to read, I'm going to read it for a minute. It says, I can't believe somebody actually said this stuff to me. I hate you. You're terrible at video. Your hair's all frizzy. You don't even have a nice studio like she does. Geez, the camera really adds 10 pounds, more like 50. Who would want to listen to you? Look at her website. Yours is ugly. No one will hire you. You're an imposter. It's only a matter of time until they find out how you really feel about yourself and your abilities. Can you believe those awful words were uttered to me? They were by me. It was an ugly internal dialogue that took place day after day for three painful years. It wasn't long before I turned off the camera. I quit blogging and I was ready to hang up my entrepreneurial wings for good. I was done. The light within me had faded to almost nothing. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted anymore. I had finally hit rock bottom. For years I'd gotten by by mimicking successful people. I tried to act confident. I put on my own spin on their message, but ultimately I wasn't using my own authentic voice. I was afraid to be authentic. What if people didn't like me? Heck, I didn't even really like me. Then on April 2nd in 2016, I had a massive epiphany that changed my life. I discovered that I needed to engage in some serious unbecoming. It's like someone once said, maybe the journey isn't about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that wasn't really you in the first place. In order to find my authentic voice and message, I had to unbecome everything that wasn't me. The sad, fearful, shameful person wasn't the real me. It was the woman I'd become after years of negative self-talk and a seven-year battle with infertility. That journey to rock bottom wasn't the end of anything. It was the beginning of a beautiful journey to, to become the unstoppable influencer I was born to be. I just didn't know it at the time. If you have found yourself in this negative spiral on the verge of giving up, don't. If you're tired, frustrated, and feel like you're on a hamster wheel, know this. The world desperately needs you. There are people you don't even know yet that are counting on you to stay in the game. They need to hear your voice and your message in the only way that you can deliver it. You matter. Your voice matters. I should know. I was literally on the brink of quitting a business that I'd built for over 10 years, but I stayed in the game. I pulled myself up off the ground, and because of that, people's lives are being changed. And not just a few, thousands of lives have been transformed because I didn't quit when I hit rock bottom. Now, let me keep going here. In order to help others, you must first recognize yourself. It's kind of like the flight attendant that tells you to put your own air mask on before helping others you've got to be cool with you if you're like most people you've got to do some work before you truly feel confident in your own skin then you can start the process of finding your own authentic voice and message until then you're going to risk doing what i did for years imitating others don't get me wrong it's okay to do that especially in the beginning everyone has to start somewhere but you shouldn't mistake the me too message for your own authentic voice that's what i thought i was doing but i wasn't i wasn't being the per, i was being the person i thought others wanted to, me to be in order to accept me the unbecoming process and the path to finding my authentic voice and message didn't happen overnight but it didn't take years either once i pulled myself out of the slump and found my who i was I knew it was time to share what I'd learned. So anyway, the point is, when I read this, I wrote it down because whether this person is preaching the gospel or not, whether she recognizes she's preaching the gospel or not, she's preaching the gospel. Because the entire, just everything that I just said about owning, about owning, own it. Own your authentic glory. <laughs> own the, your flavor. You know what? If you're rudy, tooty, fast and fruity, you know what? will be the best darn rudy, tooty, fast and fruity flavor you can ever be. If you've got sprinkles and little, you know, unicorns inside your, your flavor, well, praise God. If you're, if you're just, you know, sophisticated dark chocolate, it, I'm just, I'm saying own it. Own it. Own it. Own it. You know, sometimes I think Romans twelve two should have been written a little bit different. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I also think in this day and age, it should say, don't be conformed to the image of Christianity. Don't be conformed to the image of whatever box religion has tried to put you into. And say, this is what it means to be a follower of God. Or this is what it means to be a disciple. Or this little little mold, if I pour you into this. Because I tell you, that is that's all looking alike. as all sounding alike, like little parrots that just re- recite a bunch of nonsense that we've never experienced for ourselves. Is not, is not. That's not the harvest that Jesus bled. To win. He bled for sons and daughters. Unique sons and daughters. He, he, he bled so that you and I. Would have permission. To embrace. Who he created us to be. True freedom. Looks like. You being you. Yes. And one with the father. But you being you. And I tell you. There's a. There's a. There's a rebel inside of you. How do I know? Because, it's, because his name is Jesus. There is a rebel inside of you. And conformity is not a part of your nature. You are, the only image you're called to conform to is the image of Jesus Christ. And last time I checked, Jesus was a rebel with a cause. Last time I checked, <laughs> Jesus was a, a kind of a, a upset the apple, ki, con, apple cart kind of guy. I mean, you couldn't peg him down. You couldn't put him in a box. He didn't, he didn't feel obligated to please you. He <laughs> pleased the Father. He had an agenda to do the will of God. And you know what? It cost him his life. but he also knows he also (laughs) would do it all over again because it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. He despised the shame, he ignored the suffering, and he found a place of joy even in the midst. And so tonight's message is about really unbecoming. It's about unbecoming. It's about unbecoming everything that doesn't fit you. If Jesus said that he would not put anything that's ill-fitting on you, he's not going to put something that's constricting. He's not going to make you dress up like something that doesn't feel like it's the real you. You know, sometimes sometimes when I'm in, I mean, I'm kind of a funny person when it comes to like, trying on clothes and like figuring out my own style and stuff like let me just say this this is probably not a really I'm just gonna say it like I've done two weddings I think my whole life maybe one real wedding and the reason that I don't really do like to do weddings like please if you I will do it but just know I'm not your best person right? It's like when I do weddings, I feel like I'm playing dress up. Like the people that know me really well would joke around with me and they would like send me these images of like priests with like the little white thing on the collar right here. Like they were going to get me a purple one so that I could do the wedding or whatever. I mean the last, the only wedding I really ever did, I forgot to tell the people to sit down. So they stood the entire wedding. Like it was the most uncomfortable thing, right? But my point is I do this, do this sometimes, even when I'm trying on clothes, like I've, like I'm playing dress, like a like I like I always will say I feel like I'm from woman's world you know like it just doesn't fit I don't know like my point is is that there are things that are authentic when you put them on and there are things that feel like you're play acting which is actually one of the definitions of a hypocrite a hypocrite is play acting it's what a Pharisee is they're pretending to be good. <laughs> they're pretending to be good guess what the good you was crucified too (laughs) i love that i love that the good me was crucified guess what i get to not i don't get to be good and i don't get to be bad i get to be crucified wow what a concept That is such a revolutionary concept that what it means is we don't get to get our self-esteem from being good and we don't get to get low self-esteem from being bad. We get to have just, we get to be free. We get to be free from all that mess. And so unbecoming, this unbecoming process, like we need, we need a revolution here. We need a revolution for people to be free to just be exactly who God has called them to be. And frankly, I think the world does a heck of a lot better job at this than the church do. I really do. I, why? Because they aren't afraid of the opinions of men to the degree that people in the church are. They're not men pleasers to the degree that people in the church are. You know, why? But, I mean, I just was over at someone's house today before service and she's just telling me somebody that she read something on the, some blog or something about Bill Johnson and how he's got some Leviathan spirit. I just want to just like strangle believers sometimes. That's not very holy, but I, I, I get that. But the point is, is like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, literally, did, did, did the Holy Spirit jump in you and you lose your mind? Like, what actually happened to you that would actually? And then the person wrote something on there like, no, not Bill Johnson of Bethel. And the person actually responded, yes, that's what God told me. Well, I just was like, you don't even know God if you think that's what God told you. I mean, how can you read the same Bible that I read and think that God talks about his kids like that? I mean, even in the old covenant, he found Gideon, this poor little scaredy cat, under a tree, and he said, you're a mighty man of valor. I mean, he came to Moses who stuttered and, like, sent him against the most powerful guy in the world. I mean, he looked at Peter, who was a flake, who could have denied him three times and called him a rock. I'm like, the last time I checked, God is a God that calls things that be not as though they are. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and he's not the accuser of the brethren. That's not God's voice. But apparently, you have not exercised your senses to discern good and evil. Amen. Apparently, you think that God is actually cursing his kids and calling them demon-possessed. Last time I checked, that was the Pharisees that were doing that. Amen. That's right. That's and somebody needs to say it. Somebody needs to stand up and say, if you don't have something good to say about I don't even care if they know Jesus or not. If you don't have something good to say about America, shut up. If you don't have something good to say about your neighbor, shut up. If you don't have something encouraging, edifying to, to say, let's, let's be clear. That's not the voice of God. He always, always believes the best. He covers sin covers a multitude of sin. I don't know if you've met the guy I met, but the guy I met, you know, it's funny to me. When I was at my worst, I, I'm so much better than I was then. I mean, I have improved a lot. I mean, I have, been, I have I, there's some strongholds that have been broken in my life. There's some bondage that I have come out of. There, I have learned a few things in the last, whatever, 18 years. Right. But 18 years ago, the very first time I ever met Jesus, the very first thing he ever told me was that I was holy, that I was blameless, that I was righteous, that I was a princess bride, that I was spotless. And then, you know, he, did, he had me open up my Bible and read it for myself. First time I ever heard the gospel even though I'd grown up in church. It's nonsense. There's a whole lot of unbecoming. And no wonder we feel so bad. No wonder we're so afraid. No wonder we're like afraid to be ourselves because God knows, you know, Betty Sue on Facebook's going to tell us we got the Leviathan spirit or, you know, we've got whatever, you know, Jezebel or whatever it is, right? I mean, you know, it's like 60 ways to forget who's been united with God. You know, I mean, last time I checked, I'm in, I'm in Christ. Is Leviathan in Christ? And what puts me in Christ? Was it, was it my performance? Is it because I, because I had all the right, you know, theology? Was it because I, I don't know, I, I sung all the right worship songs or, you know, I didn't believe in gold dust and feathers. I mean, what exactly put me in Christ? Last time I checked, it was just saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> just, just agreeing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And unless you've got videotape of someone just like renouncing that or something, I think you should hold your peace. So I don't know. I just, there needs to be a, an uprising. <laughs> there needs to be a safe place for people just to unbecome. Like, just to unbecoming. You know what? It's mess. Is it messy? Of course it's messy. Human beings are messy. Relationships are messy. Emotions are messy. Sin is messy. It's messy. But Jesus wasn't afraid to put on human flesh. He wasn't able to to come on down and just assume all the mess. So why should we be afraid? But the message tonight is that you have permission. You have permission. Matter of fact, not just permission. That's not even strong enough. Like, you need to own it. Like, you know, if, if, I, if I was a fashion you know, a, a fashion designer, I'd be like, work it, girl. You need to own it. You need to own it, man. <laughs> you, need to, you need to own it. And if you, if you aren't sure what that is, it's not too late to find out. God it wants to, God is calling you some things that seem like that, that, make you laugh. Remember how Sarah, remember how Sarah laughed when God said she was a mother? It just is ludicrous. Like what? I'm an old woman. I, I'm not, I'm not, what are you talking about? I'm granny. I mean, I got to go get my false teeth. I'm, I'm a granny here and you're calling me a, a Mother. I mean God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He uses the foolish things. He lo- Yeah, that's just good news, isn't it? He, he, it's just good news. You have permission. You have permission to believe God. You do, you have permission. You have permission to believe God. What he's calling you. God's calling you names. <laughs> he, he called Abraham the father of a nation. He's caught names. He's calling you. He's, a na- he's calling you names. You know, what, he called me an author. Boy, that was a long journey to get here. Lord of mercy. But you know what the problem was? I'm going to tell you my only problem with being an author unbelief the reason it took me so long is because i had to unbecome i had to overcome my own stupid image i call it the grasshopper syndrome right it's the israelites wandering around in the the wilderness you know thinking god brought them out there to kill them and you know he can't go they can't go to the promised land because there's all these giants in there and They're just these grasshoppers, right? And so this grasshopper syndrome kept them from being who God had declared that they were. And so, you know, the grasshopper syndrome has got to, it's got to unbecome that. Got to unbecome a grasshopper. And so whatever God's saying to you, I mean, and and there are some amazing things. God is a, he's a big dreamer. I mean, if you ever think, if you ever wonder just how big of a dreamer God is, I mean, just check out the universe. Like, do some research on galaxies and stars and, I mean, black holes and stuff like that. I mean, like, it's it's crazy how vast the universe is. But then you know what else is even crazier? is how small the universe is because then you just go the opposite way and then you just look into atoms and then you look into quarks and you look into quantum physics and you just go minuscule down into the invisible realm you can get lost there too i mean that god is crazy i mean he's like how do you even describe it like he's just incredible and so your life and what he wants to do with you and some dream that you think he had, you have, or some word that he's spoken over you, like you think this is like, you know, like God's got to stretch out to try to bring it to pass in your life. Like he's going to pull a muscle like he's not like, like, to, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how silly and how long it took for me to write a stinking book. I mean, It's ridiculous. That's I'll un- unbel- say it. unbelief is ridiculous. And we have more faith in our inability than we do in God's ability. And so you got... I've said a whole lot, but it's just really, that's the word. It's embrace it. Embrace it. You know, when Mary can I love you know, Jesus' mom, Mary. You know, she was just like, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. You know, she just, she was like, bring it on. Bring it on, angel Gabriel. Bring it on. And that's, you know, it's funny. It's funny how the enemy comes to sift us like wheat. You know, the wilderness, the, the, the wilderness is the place you live when you don't know who you are. It's the place you live while you're getting free of the grasshopper image. You know, Jesus only was there for 40 days because he was clear. Right? I mean, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, Jesus was like, yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. Thank you very much. Right? I mean, and he came out of the wilderness in power, stepped in the synagogue and declared it. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, he was just bold in agreement with who God said he was and just stepped out in his ministry. And he really didn't care what anyone thought. I mean, maybe he did in his private time or something, but I'm just telling you, you can't tell it that he cared. I mean, he was just he was just after one thing, the father's agenda, the unique father-son operation. And I just say that all the time, that the only struggle we really have is unbecoming everything that's not authentically who we are in Christ. That's the only struggle. It's a mind game. You know, I, I share some things that, you know, I have this awesome author's coach who <laughs> really, I learned, I've learned i learned so much through this process. It was worth the wait, honestly. But one of the things she does is like, um, she calls it, I've, I've talked about it on Sunday nights, but I just think it's so practical in the kingdom. A lot of the things that I'm learning, I'm, you know, like if there's no secular or sacred, you know, you can just apply so many things to so many different areas in our lives. Everything's holy. And she was talking about, the author feeling state, and the author feeling state is like it's on a scale from like negative five to positive five. It, ha- it well, it has to do with your internal. Like, are you in the flow? Are you are you? Is your inner author? That's what she calls it. Is your inner author free? And so you're just in the flow. You're just. It's just. It's just. You're just. It's just coming out of you. You're just in the state of it's just supernatural, really. I mean, it just is. You're just you're just be- flowing out of who you were created to be as an author, you know. But as a, at a negative five, oh, it's a super negative state, and it's like, oh, you're just bombarded with just dep- maybe your negativity and doubt and just it's just it's an awful place to be, right? And you talk about what do you do when you're in like the negative five. And I think for all of us, if you put this in like the, the sonship state, (laughs) like, like where are you on the sonship state, right? Are you, are you in the flow? Are you practicing the presence of God? Are you experiencing uh, the flow with the father where you're hearing his thoughts? And it's just this kind of, it's a way of being where you're just, Abiding in the vine, and you—you just you're following him step by step, and you're just you just you're confident. You're going to speak to a mountain; it's going to be cast into the sea. You're gonna you're gonna say peace to a storm. You're just you're just in the flow, right? Or are you being carnally minded, right? And you've got instead of life and peace, you've got death over here, and you're just totally deceived. And living out of a false image and just depressed and all of that stuff over here. And and let me say this. When you're here, it's not always easy to get back over here because you've forgotten. It's like you forgot. You forgot who you were. It's like a deception over here. Like you forgot. And, And you're asleep. Like when your spiritual senses are awake you know, the flow, it's a totally, I mean, revelation, and just, you're just in this mind flow, and it's creativity, and it's just powerful, and then it's over here, it's just like, oh, you know, why am I sharing that? I'm saying, we are called to live in the flow. We are called to live awake, and, 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 I'm trying to remember, it's in Ephesians. Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he, when, there's an ampli- amplified translation of that scripture says, be ever stimulated by the Holy Spirit. And I think about that stimulation sometimes. It's like drinking a cup of coffee. You know, it's like, it's, it's staying awake. It's staying awake to God's presence. It's staying awake to the realm of the spirit and staying awake to what is real, to what is actually real. You know, it, it's so easy to get trapped in the seen realm and, and forget that it, what we see is not all there is. What we see is it's never all there is. You're never without resources. You're never without angelic protection. You're never without an abundance of, You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. They're just invisible. It's just invisible to the naked eye. And I really, I don't know, I feel like the Lord's just reminding me about that angel that came to Joshua before they went into the promised land. And you know that angel that stood before Joshua and and Joshua was like, whose team are you on? (laughs) into <laughs> the angels like i'm on god's team i'm on god's team right the point is there are there's ange- there's angels involved in you becoming who the father's called you to be and possessing the things that god has called you to possess this is his agenda this is an operation this is a heaven this is an invasion this is an invasion of heaven through your life. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up tonight just by encouraging you. If you don't have that one word, get that one word. Hey, and I want you to think about what it actually means. And I want you to, I mean, God's been pushing me all year, you know, and I still can't believe I haven't done it. I've just been writing a book already, dang. But he's been really pushing me to like, you've got to get a vision board together for this year. Like, I, there's some things that I am giving you, but I need you to see it. It's like Abraham. You know, I, I needed him to go out and look at the stars. I, I, I needed him to look at the sand. I, I needed him to get a visual, he a, needed a visual aid of who I'd called him to be and what I'd called him to possess. Why? Because there was unbelief. This was a, this was a pretty unbelievable thing God was trying to get through Abraham. And so God, God wasn't upset. He was giving him visual aids. Like cooperate with the way I've created you to work and the way to function, Abraham. And look at, this, look at these things and, and call yourself what I'm calling, what I've called you. And so the point, my point is, it's, it's time. I, God's been doing so much underground He's been doing so much underground in a lot of people's lives. And when God gave me the year breakout for this year, I really believe it was because a lot of the things that he's been doing underground are about to break out above ground. But it's going to require that you and I become fearless. And when I say fearless, I mean fearless. Authenticity, fearless authenticity, fearless to be the voice, which is your voice, fearless to be exactly who God's called you to be. And so I feel like there's people that are listening to this somewhere. I don't know if they're here tonight or if they're on the podcast or what. But I believe people have been looking for a confirmation, and they've been they've been also really wondering why there's why why has there been such a struggle? Why has there been such a struggle? Why have I had such a struggle? Who? And and. and I just, the message to you is this. It's like the struggle of the butterfly out of the cocoon. The struggle is to become the authentic you. And everything that you're afraid of about that. Ha! It just... There is no fear in love. I mean... Fear is bondage. You've not been given a spirit of fear to bondage. I'm going to read this. It's a great translation of that scripture in Romans 8 that talks. I'm just going to pull up Romans 8 because I talked about it a little bit tonight in the amplified version. If I can type it in instead of saying Tomans 8, it's Romans 8. Let me just pull this up in the amplified version because I really like the way it talks about the spirit. It's funny because in this one, that's pretty cool. The name in the Amplified at the top of the chapter, you know how they like put a little name at the top of the chapters in certain uh, translations? At the top (laughs) of Romans 8 here, it says, Escape from Bondage. That's the title of this chapter, Escape from Bondage. And you living in a version of yourself that is not authentically who you are is bondage. Jesus said, I won't put anything ill-fitting on you. But here's what it says in the scripture that I'm trying to get to. It says this. I'm finding it, hold on one second. All right, I think it's in the Amplified Classic here. Let me find it. Sorry, it's taking me a second. Okay. Okay, in verse 15 it says, For the spirit which you have received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. And so back to this being a confirmation. You have not been given a spirit of slavery that puts you in bondage to fear. You have nothing to fear in love, you have nothing to fear and stepping out into the fullness of who you are. Mm-hmm. And whatever you have been afraid of, I just break that off in Jesus name right now. I just I just rebuke fear. And I'm seeing people, it's interesting, it's like they thought there was a wall in front of them that was, like they were stuck, and there was this wall in front of them. But the, the wall that's been in front of you has just, it's just an illusion. It's not a real wall. And it's, it's, it's just an illusion. It's not real. And I feel like the Lord is just saying, as you keep walking, you'll recognize that it's just you're just going to walk through the wall. You're just going to walk right through the wall because it's not a real wall. It's just, it looks, fear has caused it to seem real. But it's just an illusion. So keep going. And it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen down. It doesn't matter how many times you've had to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. You know what, where you are right now, is where you are. The level of unbelief <laughs> that you've had up into this moment is the level of unbelief you've had up into this moment. But guess what? Whew. There is a masterful expert <laughs> at mind renewal <laughs> that I happen to know. He's an expert at renewing minds and helping unbelief. And he's on the scene. And he's in the process of rewiring (laughs) what needs to be rewired in your head. And he's reformatting images. It's like he's in, he's like in the, I don't know. I kind of see one of those old-timey photo developers, you know, where you get the dark room or you get in there and they put the images up on the little clotheslines or whatever. I just see God's developing some new images. He's got some upgrades and some new images and I, he's brought you in there with him and I know it's been dark. It's kind of like you couldn't see it clearly yet, but he's about to flip on the light because the developing is done. And I feel like he's just saying the only thing that's needed is your own permission. You've already had my permission. You know, it's funny. Chris and I were driving home, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, because I was writing. In each one of my chapters at the end of the book, I do one of these love notes from Dad. And a love note from Dad is just like this love letter from Dad, God, at the end of every chapter. And I had just written one, and it was like on the path there aren't any red lights. It's just green light after green light after green light. Because you can go as fast as you want. And it was hilarious because Chris and I were driving home after service that night and literally there were these houses that we passed. I mean, it's not Christmas. It's February, I mean, March. And they had green lights on their porch light. And there wasn't just one, like maybe one. I mean, I don't live that far away. I live like, seven minutes away so I mean like the fact that you're going to pass two green porch lights on your little seven minute ride home on the actual same street just little porch lights that were green I was like whoa look at that green light and then we you know I was like oh I was just and then I was like whoa green light another one and then we turn on highway 67 to go to my house and as soon as we turned the the red light turned green and 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 the word I'd said was Green light after green light after green light. Yeah. Woo! And I tell you, there are no red lights. There are no red lights on your path. Maybe there's detours. Maybe there's some roadblocks. You know, maybe you've had a breakdown or two. That's all right. <laughs> get back on the road. 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 Who and believe? I hear God saying, "Believe, fear not. Believe only." And you know, really, fear is just it's so sneaky. And so, Father, we just thank you tonight that you are you are speaking, you are confirming. And you're calling us out of hiding. Woo. <laughs> I was the, when I was in the shower this morning, I kept hearing that song. Um, Come out of hiding. You're safe here with me. You don't have to hide what I already see. That's a good line right there. You've been on lockdown, but I hold the key. It's all I remember. <laughs> but you get the point, you see. <laughs> ah. It says, I knew you before you were born. It's a great song. Great lyrics. I'm going to have to pull that out and listen to it. But it's time. Hey! And if you don't know what to do, this is what I hear the Lord saying, if you don't know what to do, this is pretty fun. I like what Jesus just said. You know, I like Peter. You know what I like about Peter? Peter was just like eager beaver. (laughs) Wasn't he? Just eager beaver. And just wanted to do it. Hey, Jesus, is that you? Can I come out on the water? You know? And Jesus is like, come on, Peter. I love that. Like, if you don't know what to do, what does look it like getting out on the water look like for you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you just need to be an eager beaver. I mean, that's what I feel like God's saying. Like he 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 likes eager beavers. It's so eager beaver. Oh my gosh. Kids are so eager beaver. I mean, like think about like if you I take my kids to Elitches or Waterworld or, so, I mean, like, oh, eager beavers, man. I mean, even just to cook cookies, eager beavers. Mommy, can we stir it? Mom, can we, it? you know, just eager beavers. And so whatever that looks like for you, like, what's that thing that's like, oh, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I'll say this for sure. It wasn't God's timing that kept me from writing a book until now. Now, granted, I'm pretty happy that I end up writing the book that I wrote because the book that I would have wrote earlier, not that it wouldn't have been a good book or an okay book or whatever, but I feel like now the book that I can write feels so much more authentic to who I'm called to be. So I'm okay with that. God works all things out together for good. So even the fact that I didn't write the book worked out for good because now I'm writing the book that I feel like I'm called to write. My point is is that you don't have to wait. So whatever that looks like, whatever stepping out of the boat looks like, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Because here's the thing, you have to put a demand on the supernatural. You have to put a demand on the anointing that's on your life, the, the, the unseen potential of Christ in you. The hope of glory, like that hope of glory, has got to be squeezed. You know, you gotta you gotta plant the seed in the ground and put some pressure on it before for it to break out. And so, the pressure is not a problem; it's the place where potential released yeah all right well father i just thank you for everything that you've said tonight i thank you for every single person that's been listening i thank you that you're just i just feel like you're not done talking i just feel like maybe you're done talking through me tonight i feel like there's a lot more you want to speak to people individually and lord i just break off that dullness of hearing that people maybe have been experiencing that you know it Just that lie that I don't hear God clearly. And uh, Father, I just release people into a place of sitting still, if that's the case. Getting out a pen and paper and just writing whatever they hear. Whatever thoughts come to their mind, just start writing them down. I just release even now an impartation to hear your voice. Clearer than ever. And I just um, thank you that this is a... I don't know March just feels like it's time to march. <laughs> it's so silly. It's time to march. Hut, two, three, four. Time to, time to, you know, like move it out. Move it out. For sure. And God's got marching orders for you. So I just release marching orders for March. And whatever he says, just do it. Wherever he says go, just go. Whatever he, wherever he takes you, just let, let him blow. Just go where he says go. Let the wind blow wherever he's gonna blow. (laughs) Call who you're supposed to call. Do what you're just whatever those things look like. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Just marching orders. I just released marching orders for March in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I just want to encourage you too. The circumstances don't define you. You know, i have, I've, we had so much sickness in our house. Here I am writing a book, so it's supernatural, and I'm you know, it's like I felt like Smith Wigglesworth with a kidney stone, you know what I mean, or Frances Hunter with her heart issue. You know, it's like everything in you. Is just like, who are you to be? Da 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 da. da. You know, and just you what? You got to just be like, you know what? Shut up. You know, I am. I am who God says I am, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, Father, I just release us into the green light road where there's no speed speed limits and just you can just put the metal to the pedal and go. And that's true, isn't it? Some of Jesus' last instructions, go. <laughs> I like that. Go. Go. So... That's what I say, Lord, go. In Jesus' name, you're blessed. Amen. Amen.